What's up, everyone? I'm Jeff St. Pierre of the Adult Education Podcast. This is episode 69, and joining me today is one-third of new country group, the Chattahoochee's Summer Overstreet. Now, before we get started, I just want to take a quick second to thank you for checking out the podcast. Adult Education was formerly known as Be More Well, so if you're looking for that show, you are in the right place. If you missed why I changed the name, you can check out episode 60 for more on that. But thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I hope you're able to find some information, knowledge, and inspiration each week from my guests. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe to the show so you'll be notified of all future episodes. And if you have a minute, it would be very helpful if you could leave a rating and review so the podcasting gods know what you think of adult education that really helps them push the show out to new listeners and we're on social media the best place to find us is at adult education podcast on instagram this episode is part three of my four-part series on new country group, The Chattahoochees. Part one was episode 67, where I spoke with Nellie Joy. Then we caught up with Audra May in episode 68. If you missed either, take a listen when you get a chance. I think you'll enjoy them. This week, I'm chatting with Summer Overstreet. If her name sounds familiar, no, you're not crazy. She comes from a well-rounded entertainment family. Her father, just a legendary hitmaker as a songwriter. Her brother, Cord, starred as Sam on Glee, among other things. Her brother, Nash, is in the pop band Hot Shell Ray. And her sister Harmony is married to very popular videographer Patrick Tracy, so you may have seen her around as well. Summer also got the songwriting bug. She's quickly become one of the best and most sought-after songwriters in Nashville. She did a lot of work recently with the now-former Avenue Beat, and she's written with all of the best down there. I think you'll love getting to know a little bit more about Summer Overstreet and how she came together with the other ladies of the Chattahoochees. Before we jump into the conversation, just a quick reminder to subscribe to the Adult Education Podcast so you'll be notified of all future episodes of the show, and please leave a rating and review. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I've actually been really nervous about this conversation. Oh, me too. <laughs> now, wait, why have you been nervous? Because I'm worried I'm going to say something stupid. <laughs> impossible. It's impossible. Sometimes I black out when I talk, so yeah. no. All right. Well, we're off to a good start then. I'm nervous because I... I I've known Nelly for a couple of years now through the Gone West stuff, and I'm very familiar with Audra's music from over the years. But you, I, I don't know a lot about. In fact, this is kind of funny, and I hope you don't take offense to this. I was trying to do research, and I even like went to your dad's Wikipedia page to find out like family lineage. Literally, the only kids it mentions on his page are Nash and Cord. Like it doesn't even mention any other kids. I was like, well, that's not fair because there's so many more. Yeah, there's there's tons. They'd run out of uh, ink if they kept going, but. <laughs> Yeah, I'm that I mean that happens a lot. I hear that a lot. Um I'll say I've been doing music out of the kids the longest, but I have like the less like, you know, what's it called? Sound bites and stuff going on. So happens a lot, but I appreciate you trying to find <laughs> I was looking up anything that I could find to try to get I even asked Nelly and Audra for some dirt on you and I'll tell you you've got good friends. They gave me nothing. They gave me nothing to work with. That's my girls. <laughs> <laughs> I think Audra, the only thing she gave me was she said she heard you in another interview or something. And somebody asked you, like, if your goal was to try to reach your dad's success. And I think your answer was something like, no, my goal is to ruin his name or something like that. <laughs> ruin his reputation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I learned to laugh because, I mean, that's like usually the first. It's one of the first things because there's so little, I guess, about me out there. So I think people are just like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm a big fan of your dad's and stuff like that. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just 
hoping to ruin his reputation. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better. I, I know that I'm familiar with the name mostly because I watched Glee, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, I had to look up to see like all the writing credits because everyone's like, but her dad. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what her, I should look it up, I guess. <laughs> That's refreshing. I mean, a lot of people, um, I recognize the name from Glee. And so that was, that was also cool time chords up starring opposite Lindsay lohan in a christmas movie oh i don't know if it's hallmark or what it's a it's interesting he's like an innkeeper i'll be looking that up for sure because that sounds very interesting (laughs) (laughs) i do want to focus more on you today uh today though so i hope you're okay with that Totally. I started to become a little bit more familiar with you because of Chattahoochee's, but also because I saw your name popping up with Avenue Beat stuff. And I will say that you are the reason for the most recent time I've cried because that This Is Goodbye song absolutely destroys me. Oh, thank you so much. That song, I have to be in a certain mood to listen to it because it's it's so, I mean, it's always real when you write a song, but that's like, we definitely like cried a lot, right? I've never like cried writing a song. I try to not cry if I can help it. It's really hard to get some tears unless I'm laughing, but that one definitely, uh, it's it'll, it'll get you, it'll rip you. Well, let's take it back then a few years and kind of go back to the beginning for you. As we've kind of talked about here, your dad is a songwriter. So I'm assuming music has just always been in your family. When did you kind of quote unquote, pick up the family business? Um, I would say, I was always like singing when I was a kid and I first wanted to be a singer because that's kind of like, I didn't realize that my dad wrote the songs he was singing. Like I didn't have a grasp on what that was for a long time, but I knew he sang and he was around a bunch of singers. So I, and I could sing at the time where I was the only one brave enough to sing out loud. So they, I started singing and it was a requirement for everybody to learn musical instrument at some point in life. So I learned the piano and guitar around 12. And then I remember specifically the dumbest thing. I had a dream when I was like 13 or 14 that, and I wasn't even a fan of Avril Lavigne, but I had a dream that I wrote a song for Avril Lavigne and was watching her perform it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's really cool. So that day I like wrote my first song and it was like five minutes long. It was absolutely, I mean, it wasn't but terrible. It was, it was bad, but they're never great. But after that, I kind of started writing songs in my closet because my bedroom door didn't lock and I had siblings that like ran and circled through all the rooms. So we just um, started then. I kind of was on track to, I worked at BMI, interned there in the writer publisher department at 19. Like kind of took a year off between graduating high school. And then I ended up getting pregnant. So I kind of took a hiatus and then I got pregnant again. So I had like two kids. So at 19, 23, I had two kids. And I kind of like was still writing, but was kind of doing it like once a month or whenever I could find the time. And um, my dad offered me a publishing deal, which is like he'll pay me a weekly draw to write. So I started co-writing in Nashville, like 2012. So it's kind of like where I officially, I count it as like starting in 2012 when I was doing all the co-writing. Did you feel like you were missing something when you took that time off. I mean, obviously you were, you know, being a mom and you're taking care of your kids, which is such an awesome thing to do, but you had kind of started getting your feet wet in the songwriting industry. And then you took a break. Did you kind of feel like there was something missing from your life with that? Yeah, I really, I felt like I had, I mean, I never stopped. I always kind of kept it going. I mean, it it would happen random moments, but 
I did feel like I was settling for something else. Like I was like, well, you know, this is the choices that I've made. And so I don't imagine it being possible to do both things right now because I was really young. So my brain was kind of in that space. So I did feel like I was missing out on stuff, but it was kind of a, a little bit of a depressing time for me emotionally, but, um, just, I'm just kind of reflecting on like my state of mind at the time. It was really just, it was focused on survival and getting through the day each day. And, you know, you're young, you have kids, you don't have a lot of money. And I, I mean, my husband and I are, we weren't married then, but so I was with the father who's now my husband and, um, just kind of, he wasn't, he didn't come into my life familiar with like songwriting or natural songwriting. So it was just like, it was just, um, a very interesting, like transitional phase. When I look back on it, it doesn't really feel real to me at the time. It, it is interesting. Cause I feel like, I feel like people that aren't on the inside, I don't think they understand really what goes into all that. I mean, I've, I've been working in radio for almost 20 years and I've just been surrounded by music for most of my life. But even still, like until I got into country radio about 15 years ago, I didn't understand the songwriting process. Like I didn't understand how many people were employed as songwriters in Nashville. Like I didn't, I didn't get how big, I always just thought bands wrote their own music. I didn't realize there were just these like, you know, hordes of people that were like writing music in all these rooms, you know? So I totally understand it. Like, cause it, it's, it's weird. Cause we've, I mean, even growing up like right in it and seeing and hearing the demos that later got cut and all this stuff, we still didn't really click with, well, these artists don't write their own music that there's somebody like bring it to them. It's, it still took a while to understand how that worked. Yeah. That was a big thing for me. Cause I, I kind of grew up in the punk rock world and then, kind of transition into country in a very strange way. But when I got into country, I was like, wait, these people don't write their own music. Are you kidding? I'm like, what are these poses? You know, and I had to get over that really quick because that's everybody. But, I had to, but it was just so, it was such a strange shift to be like, wait, someone else is writing this for that person. What a weird realization. <laughs> I know it's strange that, that I, you know, when I go to Nashville and I see a, a songwriters round and I hear someone tell this story, I think it's so funny to be like, wow, like you're, you're getting paid off of that. I, there was one guy telling the story about um, heads, Carolina tails, California. And I can't think of his name right now, but he'll, at the end of the story, he'll always end it with it with, and I still get a check in the mail from Jody Messina. So thank you very much. That was a crazy time. Those guys that were having hits, like you could get an album cut. Then I wrote with some guy that had a, like an album cut of the Dixie Chicks. And the money they were making in the 90s just from album cuts, insane. It's so crazy, like, where it's moved to. Yeah. I've heard that from other people. It's like a completely, like, night and day scenario now. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's where we're at. So you're you're performing now with the Chattahoochees, which we're going to talk more about in a little bit. But did you ever, did you ever think that you wanted to be on the stage? Were you ever, like, itching to get out there and perform your own music? Or were you always like, you know what, I'm really satisfied with being the songwriter? probably had some of those thoughts at some point and then the more I got into songwriting and the more I saw like how because as a songwriter you can be like infinite amounts of different people or characters and you don't have the burden of like having to perform that out to and also I'm I'm pretty shy I'm pretty like introverted uh, naturally so when I broke it down I was like this is what it means to be an artist I was like, I don't know if that's something that really drives me. I just love creating and like creating these worlds and characters and scenarios and melodies and not if it were on me, because I'll just kind of like, I just get distracted. I'll be like, huh, 
I'll, I'll just like, I don't know. I can't describe it, but I admire so many artists because they are like go-getters and they're performers and they're people, people, even if they're not, they're really good at like just kind of putting on that face for the moment. So long answer to a very short question. Yes and no. I think I'm more writer suited. Because I mean, I've heard your voice on This Is Goodbye and then from some Chattahoochee stuff and you've got a fantastic voice, but I appreciate the fact that you that you recognize like, you know what, that might not be the life that I want. Because I've seen a lot of people come through town on radio tours or whatever, and then they disappear and you find out later, it's like they really just wanted to be a songwriter. Like they love music, they love all of that, but being the main focus on the stage, not their jam. Yeah, totally. When you're writing music, do you always try? Because I, I find songwriting to be fascinating because the way, like when someone can say like, oh, I wrote 400 songs last year. I'm like, how the hell did you write 400 songs? But so I find the whole process to be fascinating. When you're writing, do you always try to pull from personal experience? Uh, do you just pull from whatever is on the top of your mind? Like, how does that work for you? It's a little bit of all of it because I'm shy and quiet. If I'm in a situation, I'm always listening. So I'm pretty observant and I've been through a lot of stuff myself and I've heard other people's experience. So I have a great deal of like empathy. So a lot of the times I don't have to go through something to be able to understand it. I'll pull from personal emotions that I maybe I've had in the past, but most of the time I'm trying to like just understand the world when I'm writing and like listen to what my co-writers are saying or the artist is saying and pick up and put like a very, and put an emotion to that and try to like say it in a way that everybody can understand it. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And inspiration can come from all different things. I know I was watching um, a clip of Dave Grohl on the Kelly Clarkson show, and she was talking about lyrics from his songs with the Foo Fighters. And I forget, she did one song, and he was kind of explaining where it came from. And then she asked him about the song Learn to Fly. And she was like, here's a lyric that really means a lot to me. And she's like, I'm just wondering where your head was at when you wrote it. And he's like, I'm going to be honest with you. I was going through a phase where I wanted to learn to fly. So I wrote that song about me wanting to learn how to fly. That's all it is. <laughs> I wanted to learn how to fly. Like fly a plane or fly himself? Fly a pl- I think it was fly a plane. But she was okay. just like, she, Kelly Clarkson was like, I can't believe that I like sat here and analyzed this lyric. And he's like, no, I literally was just going through the motions of learning to fly a plane. Yeah. Sometimes you, you'll be surprised. It's as stupid as literally like somebody will say a word and I, I love rhymes and I love words. So I'll just be trying to see how long I can rhyme a word before it like I run out of rhymes. Sometimes it'll be something like that where it's a stupid rhyme. I think it's and or the other person says it and you'll be like, wait, what's that? Sometimes it's really emotional, really well thought out. I think like this is goodbye was a very we were really trying to like honor the end of something, but sometimes it'll just literally be off just having fun and, you know, what just came up in the room. And I, I, I hate that that's the end of Avenue Beat. I'm getting on a tangent, but that it makes me so mad that that's the only album that I'm going to get from that group. Cause I, from the second they put out that delight song, I was like, who the hell are these women? I need more of this in my life. Give it all to me right now. And then we get this farewell album before we even man and I, not to double down on tangent but i'm no stranger to them uh yeah that was a it was a heartbreaking thing and i think with them like we this first song we wrote was delight and from the moment we wrote i was like oh my gosh this is like something really really special and so we've written hundreds of songs and a lot of them ended up on their final album but we had so many more and it was like 
uh, that song won't, I mean, that song's not going to get heard. That song's not going to get heard. It was kind of just, and I took it in stride because there were so many moments in there where I was, I'd been used to being disappointed or sort of like phased out of different scenarios musically. So I was like waiting for that shoe to drop with them because they were so talented and they could write with anybody. And I kind of didn't have, a, I mean, I didn't, nobody really knew who I was. So I was kind of always looking for that. So when Sammy left, I didn't really like fully absorb it. And then the moment that we went to write that song, they were like, do you want to write the last song? And I was like, oh crap, this is the last one. So that whole writing of that song was like, oh crap, it's real. And it sucks and it hurts and all, all that ugly stuff. So that, yeah, I'm, I'm also very brokenhearted that that's the only one I wrote it. Cause they're so good. They're so talented. I think they're like amazing people. Maybe, maybe they'll, maybe they'll get more of it. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed. And I just hope that they at least continue doing something in music. Cause there's just such a talent and such a uniqueness uh, among, among them. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the names right now, but um, uh, the one girl that's kind of like the lead singer, if you will. Uh, yes. Her, like her voice is so unique, but then the harmonies that they come with on top of that are just, I mean, it gives me goosebumps when I would hear some of those songs. Yeah. They're, they're all like musical freaks. And even, I mean, I've grown up singing harmony. So harmony is really easy, but they have a way, like I can't even describe it. They have a way of how they do harmonies. It's little inflections that even like if you're trained to hear it, you can't, it's just something they, they can just do naturally. I think that's what always stood out to me because I'm always like, I, I guess I listen to a lot of music and I, I just always like to hear something that I haven't heard before. And when you heard them, it was like, okay, they're doing something very different. Like they're doing something that my ears have never come across before. So well, I hate to keep going down that road. So we'll, we'll, we'll shift back. Uh, so you said it was about 2012 when you started getting back into songwriting more on like a, a full-time basis. Um, what was that like for you to get back into it and to dive back in? To be honest, I I loved it when I started actually digging into what co-writing was because I wrote, I went to meet with Carla Wallace at Big Yellow Dog when I was 25 before I started co-writing. And I had 20 songs I'd written by myself, which hindsight, way too many songs to play for anybody start to finish. I don't know if we played them all. I hope we didn't. I can't remember. <laughs> but my mom was with me and because she, it was like her connection to Carla and Carla was like, I think you could do it. You got to start co-writing. That was just the one thing she said. So then we focused on co-writing and uh, my dad had a song player, Kim Jones at the time that started setting me up on co-writes. And so just kind of like dove in cold. I mean, the first, not true, but um, the first like co-write I had in Nashville was Brandy Clark and Jesse Joe Dillon. And we wrote like a few times. It was instantly the best song at the time I'd ever written. I actually still love that song. But so I was like, this is really easy. This is so much fun. And just didn't really stop. We, I mean, I was probably writing a good four to five days a week from then on. It seems like you've definitely got the knack for it. I know Nellie and Audra both sang your praises. I believe the phrase came out of both of their mouths. She's the best songwriter in Nashville. Um, so you definitely have some fans. I always say, they, they keep saying it. I'm like, how is that? your assessment because I think that they're the best songwriters in Nashville. So I'm like, you're don't, don't sell yourself short. Maybe there's like room for everybody to be on, on par, but I, that's the thing that makes us, makes it so wonderful is that we're all equally like huge super fans of each other. I, you know, I can't say enough good things about them. And I love that they say that, even though it makes me super embarrassed, but 
<laughs> well, let me embarrass you a little bit more because Audra did tell me one other thing about you, and it's something that you and I have in common, actually. Um, little kids are drawn to you, she said. And I have the same problem. Like I'll be in airports and like random kids will like sit next to me. And I'm like, what's going on? Why is this happening? Yeah, that's true. They're, um, cause after we play like rounds at the listening room or something, there'll be a bunch of like little girls that will come up. And I just, I, I mean, I really relate to kids. They're not, they're not scary. They're not judging. They're just like, they're like, your hair is cool. Or like, you know, I really liked your, your guitar or something. It's really simple. And, um, also I have kids, so I'm kind of just used to, hanging out with them and they're awesome. So I always like, if I can find a little airplanes are great for, you know, bonding with someone's kids. So I was like, like, I, I feel you that, you know, this flight sucks. <laughs> I got, I got a weird, like a weird rut of, I don't know if rut's the right word, but I, I lived in Philadelphia for a few years and I would fly to New Hampshire to see my family. And for whatever reason, for quite a few flights in a row, I would always get stuck, stuck. I would always be sitting next to a child that the parents were sitting somewhere else in the plane. And I'd always think like what parents are putting their kid in a different row with a stranger, but then I'm the one that's forced to like entertain that child for the next hour on the plane. <laughs> I, yeah, I wouldn't do that. I mean, even like now our kids are 14 and 11. We just flew and my husband's like, you let Langston sit like in the middle. Cause we had our Southwest. So one person could sit next. He's like, I'm like, I'm on the other side. What's the other person going to do? Also, he's like 14. He looks like a grown man. Nobody's going to do anything with him. So, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I'm good on you for being able to entertain some a stranger's child. <laughs> like explaining what an iPhone is. Okay, here we yeah. go. Like, um, So uh, something else that Nelly brought to my attention is I Know a Woman. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So um, I wrote a song called I Know a Woman with a friend of mine. 20 who's artist at bmg oh, she, oh my gosh i love her yeah she's awesome i just had a zoom with her this morning what is the song there's a song oh, I, I played it on repeat forever and my wife was like i'm gonna kill you if you play that song again and i can't think of what it is right now it's gonna drive me crazy but anyway i'm sorry i interrupted you but i, I love her she's fantastic yeah she's great so when we wrote that song she had the idea she's like what if we like make this a whole entire movement musical cause to help people i mean women mainly but also just involved like creatives so in march we kind of started figuring out how we could make this like an outreach to where um so i guess bringing awareness to the lack of female representation in country music and also offering help for any any creatives that you know don't really know how to navigate music business when it comes to either label deals, how to find a lawyer, co-writing, um, management, kind of anything, all the stuff that we had to like learn just by kind of figuring it out and navigating. And we had our first writing camp for the album that, um, or the EP that's going to start releasing on International Women's Day 2022. So we did a writing camp with all women for two days, um, two sessions a day. And it was Amazing. We had some great people. We had Savannah from Abbey Beat and Sam come out and Maddie Diaz and Lindsay L and uh, Parker McKay, Lucy Silvis, Brittany Spencer. We had a um, pretty much really badass women come together and start like that hadn't worked together before. And just we're like, just write whatever you want about like kind of finding new creative partners and really like supporting each other. Because I think there's always the consensus I don't know if it's a thing or we just feel it, but like, it seems to be more competitive than collaborative. 
So we wanted to shift that perspective to be just super collaborative. And um, so we did that. And then we had like a showcase at the Basement East and benefiting um, Music Cares. And then we we had another camp in the fall. So we're just kind of, as we go, making opportunities for uh, musicians to kind of like have a spot. I love that. I'm actually, I think I'm going to see Brittany Spencer in a few weeks in Baltimore and I'm so excited because she's from the Baltimore area. Um, and I've been hearing her name for so long, but she, I don't think she really performed here before she moved to Nashville. So I've only been hearing her name as a Nashville artist and then finding out like, Oh my God, she's from here. Um, but she's got a show in Baltimore at the beginning of December. I'm so excited to see her. I love, I love her as a person. She's an amazing writer and her voice I've heard a voice recorded. It's great. It's amazing. But live is like unreal. Like she stops people in their tracks. Like, and people are like, we had, when she did our basement show, there was a sound check and they were like having her just sing the song over and over and over again, because it just sounded so good. And we couldn't like stop like fanning over it. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't, see, I can't wait. I've, at Lucy Silvis, I've been a fan of for actually the first time I met the brothers Osborne. Uh, I was like, hey, I know your wife. She's amazing. And uh, let's talk about her for a little while. <laughs> Something I'm sure he's very used to. <laughs> he seems very like loving, supportive. Yes. I think he was actually really, he actually told you, he's like, I'm really happy to talk about her. He's like, I spend all day talking about myself and all these things. I love the fact that you know my wife and we can talk about something else. I think that's great. Yeah. And such sweet people. Yeah. It definitely seems that way. Um, 20, the song was Better When I'm Drunk. That's what it was. She's so good. And she's also like, she's one of those people, uh, I can't say this in the right context, but she's just a social butterfly and is not like scared to ask the hard questions or the like the big favors. She just is a go-getter. I mean, I think I like have so much respect for her. Let's get more into this Chattahoochee's realm. What do you say? Yeah. <laughs> Favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're fast forwarding a couple of years here, but I know you did some work with uh, Nelly and Jason um, with Gone West. You also wrote with Jason for a song on his album. Is that kind of yeah. how you got to know that group? Um, It's kind of an interesting little backstory. So my sister is married to Patrick Tracy, who does like all the Banachet videos. And he, Jason was one of his friends. So Harmony, who's my sister, was friends with Nellie and Jason first. And they were at, um, like, they were at their wedding. They played a song. And I, we, I'd always, like, I'd met Nellie, kind of, like, been around. And she was at the bachelorette party and all on the wedding stuff. But we didn't really, like, hang out because she was my sister's friend. And then she was also writing with Avenue Beat and she was starting to hear some of the stuff that we were writing. And so she kind of, um, somehow we got, we all got a day together to write. And so the first day we got, we wrote an amazing song and it was like, oh my gosh, we, we love writing together. So it kind of was like, after a few times writing with Nellie and building that relationship, she goes, hey, um, would you like to write with Gone West? I played them the last song we did and they were like saying they wanted to write with you. So I was like, hell yeah, and went to write with, with them and we got a great song. And then like, it wasn't, they cut it, put it out and it wasn't probably till into COVID that I actually started writing with Nellie and Jason for Jason's project. We had never tried that combo. And of course, as I got more comfortable, we became 
better friends, we just started writing amazing songs. So we had we had a few on his uh, last album. I think The Hell of Growing Up was the first song that we did together as a trio. And then um, Someday You Will, I love that song. And maybe one more, but anyway, so that's kind of the progression of timeline. I think Riding With Jason started after like the Chattahoochee started, right? Well, it's funny too, because they I, I didn't realize the Chattahoochee's really kind of started as early as it did. To me, following on social media, it seems like it just happened a few months ago, but you yeah. really kind of laid the groundwork back in like the fall of 2019, I think it was. Um, 2020. Oh, 2020. Yeah. Okay. So it was about a year ago. You kind of laid the groundwork. So we like, Audra and Nelly had their first right. And I'd written with Audra maybe a couple times before they got together and they called me and they're like, Hey, I'm, um, I'm with Audra. Do you want to like come over and write? Cause I was, I had a right that was supposed to happen. I was like kind of waiting. It was like a touch and go thing. And they called me like, we're here if you want to come join and write. And I was like, yeah, I would rather do that. So the guy like that I was supposed to write with couldn't make up his mind, whether he wanted to like keep pushing it back or, or whatever. So I was like, let's just cancel and reschedule. So I went over there to write with them and we, the first song we wrote is a song called Dying Well, which is on the album. And we weren't thinking of any sort of band scenario then. And then we wrote another song maybe a couple months later. And then when COVID happened, we go, hey, you want to like, after things sort of, everybody kind of got their wares about like what was safe, what was not safe. We were like, would you like to like come out? We can hang out outside and sit around the fire and maybe write a song, drink wine, whatever it is. So we went over there and we wrote, I didn't, I don't, didn't know what we were going to write that day, but we wrote like a song called itching for a bitchin. And Jason was like in the kitchen as we finished it. And he was like, you guys, this is the best song that has ever existed <laughs> in the history of all songs. And he's not, He's not like a high person like that. He didn't say that. But I was like, you're, I was like, really, you're going on and on. This, it doesn't feel like real. But he was like, no, I'm serious. This is the best song that's ever happened. And so we're like, I don't know. We should, I don't, I was like, I really like this song. I don't know. And it kind of just sort of became its own thing. And I think Audra jokingly said, what will we even call ourselves? She's like, Chattahoochee's? And I was like, no, nah, we can't do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and so it kind of, kind of was starting that way. And then um, we wrote another song with Jason called Stone that was equally as like funny and good. And then we kind of all like left for the holidays and got busy and started just doing our own thing. I want to say maybe April, I started, I was like, I'm going to try to figure out this TikTok thing. I started putting up songs on my own TikTok and then I like randomly made up a song that was silly and goofy. And that started getting a lot of views. So I was like, huh, if they like that, they might like some of the others, the other goofy stuff. So I put like a chorus or something for itching for a bitch up there. And it got like, I think 200,000 views on, and my account was really small. So I was like, hmm. I go, guys, I think we may have a market for this. And we already had planned a trip to Malibu to write just for fun. I was like, what if we just write for that? 
so we went and we just said, let's write with that direction in mind. And we wrote like five songs that are on the album. Every song that we wrote is on the album that's coming out. Which is fascinating to me. Cause like so many times you hear like, I wrote 50 songs. I had to narrow it down to 13, but you guys wrote, was it 13? You wrote 13 songs yeah. and that's the album. That's the album. I, I know. I can't believe it. Just say and from that was like May when we went to write all those songs. And by August, we had had all of them tracked. So it's, it's kind of, it started a year ago, but the actual like progression of it has kind of been really quick, but we've just been following wherever like the, the energy has been flowing and it's always, you know, we've not, haven't had a, a slip up yet. It's just kind of like wherever is, is easy and a natural fit and how it's supposed to be, would just kind of run with it. Kind of sounds from your story. It kind of sounds like you are the linchpin of making this thing a band. Like you were the one posting it on your TikTok and getting some attention. Then you were kind of like, Hey, why don't we just write for ourselves and see what happens? Like it kind of sounds like without you, this might not have happened. Is that too much pressure to put on you? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't like, I mean, I think, I think that's a, a an astute assessment, but I, my, I have a, an aversion to claiming like credit for things. So it's yes, but I kind of keep the, I'm like usually good at keeping the connections going and sure. in things. So I'll, I'll always hit people up and like stuff like that. I think that was important. Otherwise we kind of might've gone and I'm like, no, we can, we can do this. And then like, you know, Audra was sending our stuff to Mike Elizondo who produced the record because he was like all in stoked, just really excited. So, I mean, everybody's got things that they're just doing that are like invaluable and um, instrumental to like keeping it going. But yeah, I, I'm probably the linchpin to what's started it up. So like kind of kept it together and kept the, the inspiration for now. I mean, obviously we have no idea what's going to happen in the future with all of this, but it's got to feel pretty good to know that obviously the three of you are very talented, but then you've got Jason, who's a great producer and has a great ear for music. And Mike, I always say his name wrong. Mike Elizano. I am saying it wrong all the time. Um, and, and then he is like, I need this. I want to work with you. I want to do this. And, and he's got a laundry list of a resume himself. It's got to feel really good to know that other people that are in the music industry that have done a lot are believing in you the same way. That's important. You can't, you can't really move without something like that. And I, it's still surreal to me because I mean, Jason has such a great resume and such a great ear and he's got not just a passion for great songs, but also like the art. So he's not, he's not going to tell you something is good just because it might be commercially successful, which to me is like a, like a huge deal. And so it meant a lot to have him because also he's, with all respects, given a musical snob. And so it meant a lot. And then Mike, I mean, I wouldn't have ever like, that's the thing is like, I loved it, but I also know that I love like tongue in cheek, really irreverent curse words, like rhyme, you know, I, lo I love that stuff personally. So I'm not just going to assume that like the best of the best also love that. So I wouldn't have like sent it because I'm like, there's no way like he's got, you know, so it meant a lot that he like was like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta jump on this. So yeah. It's funny with Jason, this is a, a side here, but when gone West was coming around, um, and everybody in my office was like, wait, gone West is going to, isn't that the Colby Calais group? And I was like, no, it's the Jason Reeves group. Can we please <laughs> give respect where respect is due? 
<laughs> I, I, I've been such a fan of his for so long, like so many years, um, that I was like, I was I think I was more excited to actually get a chance to meet him in person than anybody else. As like a songwriter myself, I and Colby, there's no denying like her talent and what she brings. But I just also know like the fact that they had their partnership for so long. I'm like, Jason is is it also he can sit his voice is amazing play guitar like an you know i can't i'm not gonna curse but you know play guitar well very well you can curse <laughs> if you want audra was lit up the day that okay, we did okay. it, so. he can play guitar like a motherfucker and he can paint he can take is takes gorgeous pictures video i, I mean like this arena it's the true renaissance man yeah so he is like there's no like, you know, squaring up with Jason Reeves in terms of like the writing department. He's, and also he's able to produce and connect with infinite universal portals and just, you know, just flow. King of flow. He actually is, uh, he's working on some music for this podcast. Actually, he's going to, he's making some music for the intro for the podcast. He just sent me like his first thoughts on it. And I, and I have like one thought that I want to send back to him on it, but I almost feel guilty. Cause I'm like, what the hell do I know compared to Jason? He probably loves, he probably loves thoughts though. You know? Well, I, I can't believe the album is done that, that Nelly told me the album was done. And that blew my mind. Like the whole timeline of it really like kind of shocked me because I feel like for me again, following through social media and random conversations, it seems like it's so new, but you've been working on this and it's ready to rock. Like you got, I mean, are you investigating, uh, working with a label or teaming up with somebody and trying to get it out there? Or are you just going to say, Hey, let's do it ourselves and see what happens. Um, there's not really a short answer for that. We're, we are open to anything, anything that gets the music out in the way it's supposed to, in the way that we want it out. We are open. So we'll probably be investigating meetings and playing it for some people. Cause we were all like super proud of, of it as a piece of work. I think it's probably some of the best stuff we've all collectively ever done. And it's, it's just, we're following the thread of joy. So anybody that can see that and wants to take it, I think we're open to it. We don't want to like, if doing it ourselves means it has less of an opportunity to reach the masses than another version, then we'll probably kind of lean into maybe partnering with label, but we're just, we're just open to all opportunities. This is what I love about the group too, is that it's a happy thing for all of you. Like it's, it's a, a project that was born from friendship that was born from love and born from just excitement to be together. And I, I love that aspect of it. Like there's nothing forced. There's nothing that feels contrived. It's just natural three really talented singers and songwriters teaming up and having a great time. Right. And you just don't hear about that so often anymore. You really don't. And I, I mean, I'm just as surprised as, as you are that it, it is, it is that, but like we can't wait to hang out every time. Like, I don't know how many groups that it, it, who knows, you know, time is long and things happen, but we generally like, there's one day we'll do something. We'll like be together all day. And then there's one day maybe where we won't text maybe. And then we're like the next day we're like, Hey, can we hang out again? Can we like, weird? <laughs> and we genuinely have so much fun and, I can't explain it. I just, yeah, I'll never, if I can help it, I'll never turn down an opportunity to go hang out with those two and just dream and brainstorm. 
Are you still working with other people right now? Or have you pretty much put all your focus on Chattahoochee's? Um, I'm still working with other people and it's, it's good. It's a nice to be able to step out of that world and go back in. But I mean, honestly, it's kind of like, I, I feel sometimes like I'm doing that to get to the, the fun where I get to have fun. But you, well, you kind of need that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I totally get that. I mean, I you know, what's also interesting, too, is talking to songwriters. Um, uh, ben Johnson from Track 45 is one that I've asked about this, where he's got a lot of songs that have been recorded from artists of all different genres. And I asked, like, how do you how do you pick what you keep versus what you send off to somebody else? Because you're obviously writing smash hits. Like sometimes you got to think like, would that be a song that we should record as our band? You know? And, and I wonder like for you, when you go to do rights other people, do you start writing something and then just go like, Oh wait, no, no, no. I got to keep that. That's going to be. For me, I don't, I won't bring in the hoochie shit to other sessions. Cause I was like, <laughs> it's a very, it's a very acquired, like people love it when it's all, you know, when it's out there and like, it's all fleshed out and the ideas are there and the melodies and stuff. They love that. But if you go into a room typically and go like, I have this idea for a song called I dodged a mullet. <laughs> well, people will laugh and they'll be like, that's so cool. But, and then they'll be like, but it's, you know, how do we get, make that something that's commercial. Right. I've just learned to, I'm very selective. If, if I bring that into a, a separate room, I don't want to like waste an idea, not that people wouldn't grab onto it, but I also just know that I've got two women that can just take that and run with it. What's kind of funny too, is that in these songwriting sessions, I'm sure, like you just said, you're trying to find a way to write, you know, some sort of commercial song for someone. And it's like the Chattahoochees are the antithesis of that. You're not even trying to write a commercial song, but you kind of are by accident. You know, like you're writing songs that have appeal that people enjoy and get a laugh out of, like totally by accident, just having a great time. Whereas you're sort of like forcing the issue on the other side. Right. It's it's it's, it's such an interesting like juxtaposition of roles, but that are kind of going to the same place. I can't I can't explain it, but that's there's nothing that makes me happier of like being able to have commercial appeal and like have people enjoy music by just having fun and like saying, be like, we can't say that. Yeah, we can. Why not? It's, it just, it brings <laughs> happy tears to my eyes. <laughs> well, the day that we're recording this conversation is the same day the CMA awards are airing. And I, I'm just going to throw it out there as a bold prediction. Maybe next year, Chattahoochee's, no, you're shaking your head. What? Are, no, no I, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a free. Sorry. I was like, <laughs> I don't know why I was shaking. And I was just, uh, I was like, you know what? I'll take that. And I'm going to put it in my manifestation meditation tomorrow. We'll put in our dream journals and we'll, uh, we'll hope for our yep. best. Well, Summer, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I, I hope this was as painless as uh, I wanted it to be for you, because I know we were both kind of nervous about this conversation. No, this was great. You're, very professional and super easy to talk to. All right, enough with the professional crap. We're just hanging out. We're having a good time. Uh, so I've you're the third person that I've spoke to from the Chattahoochees. You're my last one. But I think uh, Nelly wants to get all three of you together to have a group chat at some point. And I'm excited for that. I think it's going to be fun to get you all three together. Oh, that's that's going to be a lot of fun. You all yeah. have to be in the same room, though. I can't do three separate Zoom calls. That'll be a nightmare. <laughs> no, we'll do the same room. And uh, yeah, it'll be a little bit rowdier because... Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, those, Audra and Nellie bring something out of me that, like, I just become a comedian and just try to, like, do a bunch of little, 
one-liners and then Audra like hears a little bit and laughs her head. I don't, don't know why she laughs so much. I didn't think it was that funny, but it's, it'll be, it'll be fun. Well, it'll I, be a lot of they, they definitely sold you that way. So coming into this, I was like kind of nervous. I'm like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta be prepared for this because she's gonna be like on fire. So I, I'm excited to see this side of you when we get all three together. Well, seriously, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, I look forward to talking to you with the group. All right, thank you, you too. Big thank you to Summer Overstreet for her time today. I knew almost nothing about her prior to this conversation, so I really enjoyed getting to know her a little better. This was part three of my four-part series with the Chattahoochees. Next up will be a conversation with all three of the women together. That should be interesting. <laughs> Until next week, thank you as always for listening to the Adult Education Podcast, and be well.